Live here. And we are back. Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast. Thank you all so much for joining us. A few days later than normal, Zach was in Korea. We'll talk about that a little bit. But on this Sunday afternoon, thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about this week in EOSIO and all the stuff that's been going on, SEC, a bunch of stuff. Uh, but before we do, if you're new here, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a live episode. And of course, whether you're new here or not, smash that like button and leave a go EOS in the live chat. If you're participating with us live, it really helps us out with the algorithm. And uh, the last thing I'll say before we get started is to remember that nothing Zach and I say should be taken as legal, financial, tax, professional, or any other kind of advice. Uh, if you listen to us, what will happen, Zach? You'll, you'll get wrecked. You'll absolutely you'll get, wrecked. get wrecked. This is a, the, These assets are all very speculative in nature. You never want to listen to a stranger on the internet. You always want to do your own research. Don't listen to us. Only listen to yourself. Uh, that's it for the disclaimer. Let's move on. Absolutely. Welcome back uh, from Korea. You've been on the other side of the world for the past oh, week or so. Yeah. So I, I left. I left Friday, Saturday morning, and I got there Sunday night, but I lost a day. So it was just like lost a day. Go in there, came back. I don't know a day or two ago, but I've just basically been jet lagged and and catching up since then. But uh, a lot happened last week. I was, I was a little disappointed we couldn't uh, come on live after the big yeah. SEC waiver, which which we'll get into today. Um, you were all excited. You were texting me the whole time I was there about the little <laughs> mi mini mini bull market we're seeing in the altcoins. Yeah, it's been crazy <laughs> to watch on uh, Nudex. A bunch of tokens have been going crazy recently. DAF, uh checks is one that's been going wild on Nudex and uh, SOV. So. It's kind of cool to see these little mini bull markets that I don't think a lot of the broader crypto market knows about because it really is sort of isolated the new deck. So it's been fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, that that kind of ties in. Like people don't really know because um, like there's still a lot of friction with EOS. I mean, you, there's still friction with, with registering an EOS account, something so simple to do that we all take for granted sometimes. But with, with a lot of these tokens like checks and the other ones you mentioned, like they're, they're only on like new decks and some of the EOS decks. I know HitBTC has some. Where, where's POS listed? I'm not even sure. Yeah, POS is on new decks as well. And I think, uh, actually, I don't know if that's on HitBTC or not yet. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been wild to watch. It's, it's really cool to see a lot of these early stage projects get a lot of recognition as well. Um, Checks obviously makes a lot of sense that it's bumping with the, the recent yeah. CPU issues and the plans that they have there. So that's been fun to watch. We'll definitely get into checks. Shintai is going to be a lifesaver if uh, the free lunch yeah. gets shut off with EOS, but we'll get into that. That's like three topics from now. Uh, just a little bit of recap on the trip. Uh, it, it went really good. We had a lot of time. Uh, if, you, if you're following us in the Telegram channels, you probably already know this, but we spent a lot of time with Ivan on tech which is really cool to do. Um, Benny uh, Hakak, the CEO of Liquid Apps, he recorded like an hour-long interview with him at our at our oh, event. Wow. That's uh, yet to be seen. It really dives into to Liquid Apps and EOS as well, but mo mostly Liquid Apps and DAP Network and what, what's going on. So that that's going to be out, I don't know, this week. And th the funny part about that interview is that uh, Ivan was planning to record he had like a tripod and like a, 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 I think I don't know if it was the newest iPhone, but it was like the second newest iPhone. He was planning to record with that. P Peter K and I had like real nice cameras. We, we actually served as his camera crew for the. For oh, the nice! That's so awesome. whenever you see the video, <laughs> when you see the video on Ivan on Tech, we had uh, two cameras set up plus the iPhone for like a uh, uh, like hand cam. So we have three camera angles, but it's a really good conversation. I can't wait to share that. Uh, I got to meet the Ultra team. Awesome guys. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Ultra, it, it, for those who don't know, uh, it's like a, a fork of EOS. Uh, they're doing their own thing. They're trying to be a Steam competitor. They have X Ubisoft, X Microsoft, like team, really, really talented team. Uh, they actually announced their first block producers. They're, they're going to be running like a federated chain, somewhat like what Link's chain is trying to do, where they're going to um, like decide on their block producers. They're going to have technical BPs, which is what they announced recently. They announced EOS New York, EOS Rio, and Bitfinex. And then their next uh, set of corporate BPs are not, yeah, their next set of BPs are actually going to be corporate BPs, which are actually going to be established game companies. I I, oh, I, wow. I, I think I know who the first one's going to be. I can't say anything. Uh, okay. Uh, but and but it's, it, it's a Fortune 500 company, I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. Well, that uh, would be huge. I mean, for the, the whole blockchain space to see those players get in on it. So that's exciting. But to clarify real quick, when you say competing with Steam, you mean Steam the game platform, right? Yeah, not just not not Dan, not Dan social media platform, but right, exactly. Steam, Steam like the games like where you I don't I'm gonna sound old, but Counter Strike and get other games. Yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't even know what's popular these days, but uh, they're they're doing a, a lot of big things. They have a team of about fifty people. Uh, I also met uh, Damien from ITM Games. ITM Games is actually a Korean based company. That oh, I, wow. I didn't get to talk to their CEO. He literally only speaks Korean. Uh, but I did get to speak at length with Damien, uh, so they're doing really good things too. They also have a team of over fifty, but I don't. I don't think that. I, I think that was public before. I think we knew that they had a really big team. Right. But I, I got some good insight on them. Everpedia Korea, uh, Han from Node One. Big shout out to Han from Node One. Yeah. I, I would. I would have voted for Node One with the proxy on day one if I if I knew him a little bit better. I, I don't know how he's been like so distanced from me, and I never had like a direct relationship with him. It's always been like I'm friends with his friends. Oh, but uh who else, what else was cool Brittany kaiser awesome awesome girl uh and for those who don't know she's the ex uh director of business development from cambridge analytica uh i was not expecting her she was on the main stage at uh, uh at the conference d d fine and i have it up on screen the tweet i don't think you could see it rob but whenever she was on stage with a giant voice logo Talking about uh, how how uh, like new like uh, uh, digital ID like social media is going to be coming out, and she basically gave the best uh, be or voice pitch she could have possibly given on stage. Given the audience, nice. she couldn't like go too much in the ears based on the audience. Uh, that's one thing I realized at this conference was nobody knows what we're doing. Nobody. It's like everyone is so simple-minded uh, outside of our EOS bubble here that they they still just think it's a scam. Even on the day that the really? SEC, even the day the SEC released the waiver, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Yeah, I was asking people about. It. I was like, "What do you think of it?" And they're like, "It's a, isn't it a scam?" Like they don't. They're not even saying like we have governance issues. Like which is true. Wow. They're, they're saying totally like disregarding it. Yeah, and I, I might be generalizing. Yeah. I might be generalizing. But um, it, it, that was a surprise. But Britney was super cool. So I, I talked about um, the, the movie, The Great Hack on Netflix. And, yeah. and she's like the star. It covers like the Cambridge Analytica and social media data and things like that. And if, if you've ever watched it, it watches like an advertisement for voice. And I, I thought maybe this was like guerrilla marketing from block one. And like this is all kind of planned. It turns out it wasn't planned, but Brittany is a huge advocate for voice. And even though she's not officially affiliated with Block One in any way, as far as as far as I know, uh, as soon as voice is ready to roll and getting that beta out, she's going to be a huge, huge voice for voice. That's awesome. 
And she has a book coming out next month, I, I think October 25th. I, I, it's got a really long name. It, it's, it's about data. I, I'm sorry, I don't have the name in front of me, but this book's probably based on like the, the, the situation right now with how, how big data privacy is and social yeah. media and how big of a talking point it is. I'm pretty sure this book's gonna get a lot of buzz so it's if if that book comes out and it's still collecting a lot of buzz later this year, and if we could get a voice beta out late 2019, that would be amazing. I don't that know way. if we'll get a voice beta out <laughs> in 2019, uh, but but we'll see. Um, man, absolutely. I, I, did you uh, did you get a chance to bump into anybody else? I saw there were tweets from everything EOS about Novogratz, and did you bump into him at all? I did bump in. I I, I had to patiently wait my turn for Novogratz. So first. He was on stage and he basically, I, on the tweet, I said, uh, let me see if I have the tweet up. I could pull it up. Uh, I don't have it queued up. But on the tweet, I'll just read it. It said, Novogratz discussing protocol and store value use cases at Seoul Korean Blockchain Week and how usage is, quote, two to three years out. And I asked if he has ever heard of Liquid Apps because mass usage is here. We've talked about it every week yeah, on this show but with moonlighting and things like that. So. Um, I did get a chance to talk to Mike, but very briefly, and I didn't talk to him necessarily about liquid apps. I asked him the question that's been burning on everyone's minds. And I said, Mike, why is EOSVC investing in all of these companies, these great gaming companies, they're really good companies like Gods Unchained that are using ERC-20 tokens and ERC-721 tokens. And I, 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 I will say that I was not happy with the answer. He didn't say what I wanted him to say. I wanted him to say, that's the future plan. Right now we're using ERC-20s, but we plan to move to EOS, which is more scalable. I didn't get that answer. I, I got the answer where he said, one, EOS isn't mature enough. But then he, he said, he, he spun the question and he said, I, I, last week, Brendan Bloomer shared with me his governance proposal. And I'm really looking for, everyone should be really looking forward to it or something. So Wow. The fact that he spun that led me to believe that maybe the governance has something to do with why uh, some of these big game companies aren't like mentioning their plans to move to EOS right away. It's but, totally possible, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, unless that EOSVC requirement was removed, where the one requirement that EOSVC has is to invest in companies that utilize EOSIO in some way. So unless that's changed, I think they'll kind of have to use it in some way, even if, um, you know, like you were saying before the show, that the token lives on Ethereum and then the DAP runs on EOS through something like Liquid Apps, Liquid Link. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think so. And uh, we didn't really get a chance to to debrief <laughs> on, on, on Liquid Apps and, and some of our solutions like Liquid Link. But we did talk to a lot of other projects, a lot of Ethereum projects, a lot of uh, just other blockchain projects that I, I never even heard of leading up to that. Like there's one called like Terra, for example, that was really interesting uh, that had a booth. Yeah, what I thought was interesting, you sent me a photo. Uh, it looked like Benny from Liquid Apps and Sergey from Chainlink. Uh, what was that about in the same photo? Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we we put out <laughs> we we put out an article a while ago uh, comparing not comparing Chainlink, but talking about how Chainlink and and uh, Liquid Apps oracles could actually work together. So like, we kind of just wanted to talk to the guy. Uh, Chainlink had a booth there, um, and Sergey, I. I, I What's his last name? Nazarov. Uh, he's the CEO of um, Chainlink. Benny and I went to talk to him just to kind of see if he saw the article we put out a few weeks ago, a few months ago, yeah, and just kind of get his thoughts on it. And it was interesting because uh, the the way he presented his company is like when you think of Chainlink, you think of just an Oracle company, which is kind of how I've been 
fitting them into a box also, but he said yeah. like they're a security company first and an Oracle company second. And like, we, we kind of went out, like when we first approached him, like, it was like, I don't know, you're like, you're on edge. Like you're potentially competing each other with the Oracles, but it, it turns out Sergey, I will say this straight up. I don't care if they're Ethereum, whatever. Sergey from Chainlink is one of the coolest guys you ever meet. He's super yeah. smart. He's super nice. Like we were explaining to him uh, Liquid Oracles and VRAM and things like that. And it's really complicated subject. I mean, any anyone who's first hearing about some of our solutions at Liquid Apps, it, it's kind of goes over their head. So rather than him just like pretending he understood or like brushing us off, he literally pulls out his laptop in the middle of like the conference and it's like, could I pull up your, like, what's your website? Let me pull up your like white paper. We're like, wow. that's how cool of a guy he is and how interested he was in these solutions, it's especially uh, the, the VRAM, the decentralized storage solutions we have coming. Uh, so that was super cool. And um, I, I, that would have been enough, but I think the picture you're talking about, let me, let me see if I have it. I didn't plan this. Yeah, it's, it, 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 it was just, cool because we were at like some Japanese restaurant, I think. And then uh, we couldn't all fit at the same table. So like myself, uh, Jason from DAP Solutions and Peter K, uh, we were all at one table. And then Benny was at this other table with some other guys. And then Sergey comes walking by and sees everyone eating and he comes and sits down with Benny. And all, then next thing we see is Benny pulling out a napkin, like explaining stuff. They're, they're, they're like all engaged. I have it up on the screen. Benny's like writing on a napkin. You, I don't, I don't think you could actually see it because his cup's oh, blocking awesome. it. But Benny's literally writing on a napkin, trying to explain to Sergey, wow. uh, like, liquid apps and then everyone from their table left and it was just them there so i i i can't wait to hear more about uh what what that conversation was like that doesn't mean like i, I don't want to get the i don't want everyone to jump to conclusions here like th this doesn't mean like we're not making an announcement partnership or anything all i'm saying is sergey now knows what liquid apps is what we represent what our solutions do and uh, we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. But I, I can't speak highly enough about Chainlink. Uh, they're a major project for a very good reason. They have very good leadership. Um, but I, I'm sure I'll, I'll let uh, Liquid Apps like officially make any statements moving forward if anything comes of this. But that's awesome. Chainlink, it's cool just to, to have two bright minds like that talking uh, together and sort of talking about their technology. Like that, that's always exciting to see. Amazing, amazing. Uh, I, I met the guys from Storage too. Wait, remember? Oh, really? They they had a booth. They were pretty cool guys too. Wow, I haven't I, heard about them in forever since like 2017. Casper Labs. I, I got a. Hyundai was there. Hyundai is like huge in Korea. They had a booth there. Um, it, it was really cool. Uh, I, I had a great time and I'm really excited uh, with some uh, potential projects for Liquid Link because um, with Liquid Link, these Ethereum projects will have the potential to have like their ERC20 tokens could still be ERC20 tokens, but then they could offload everything else onto EOS using like Liquid Link. So like, oh wow, that, that's what we wanted to talk to Novogratz about because these yeah. games, like if, if the issue is decentralization, they want to keep their tokens as ERC seven twenty ones or seven or, or ERC twenties. That's fine. Any game, and if you're listening and you have a game and you're listening to this, like if you are on another blockchain, you can keep your token on another blockchain and offload your gas fees and your computation somewhere else and, and make it super cheap. So wow, that's amazing. 
That's Ooh. exciting. And speaking of uh, liquid apps, it looked like DSP, so DAP Service Provider 2.0 got released. Mm-hmm. And uh, all kinds of good stuff came with that. You want to dive into that a little bit? It, it did. Let me, uh, I don't think I have the link pulled up. Uh, yeah, so a couple things came out of beta. If you've been following us, you've, you've heard us launching solutions like for a while. Uh, every, every couple weeks, we'd be releasing something new. Uh, but whenever we'd release them, they'd oftentimes be like a work in progress or maybe even an alpha. But uh, we just upgraded last week, three of them to beta. So Liquid Accounts has been upgraded to beta. Liquid Scheduler, which is a cron service, has been upgraded to beta. And Liquid Oracles have been moved up to beta. Uh, and in addition right. to DSP 2.0, uh, we launched Liquid Learn. Um, I don't have a, a screen for that either, but it's at liquidapps.education. Uh, we basically created a system that mimics uh, Coinbase Earn. Uh, it's our own proprietary version where you basically you learn about liquid apps, you answer a couple of questions, you join our telegram, drop us a message, and then you collect your DAP tokens. Uh, and if you refer your friends, you could earn more. And there's no upper limit to how many friends you're able to refer. So I wow. haven't been seeing a lot of people spamming out their referral links yet, but uh, I'm sure uh, we will soon. Oh, yeah. I have a video coming that goes in depth on that on the uh, Cyberglass channel. It'll be out this week as well. Mm-hmm. So if you want to learn more, that's a good place too. I've been talking a while, Rob. My mouth's a little bit dry. You, you, yeah. I, I know a lot of stuff happened to me last week in Liquid Apps last week, but Cypherglass has also had a lot coming out in the last week. Why don't you, uh, the, the coolest thing was the website. I really like that. So why don't we start there? Thanks. I appreciate that. So uh, like Zach said, we have a new website at Cypherglass. It's just cypherglass.com, C-Y-P-H-E-R-G-L-A-S-S.com. And uh, it really sort of, I guess, shows the direction that we're headed as a company. Obviously, EOS is still one of our main focuses, but now in addition to EOS, being a DSP on the DAP network is a huge priority for us. And the new website really reflects that. You know, it talks about the the new infrastructure sites that we opened. It talks about our new DAP services and what we offer now. We have a staking service that's coming soon so you can earn your share of inflation on the DAP network. Uh, lots of good stuff coming, but so I highly recommend everybody check that out. If you're launching a DAP, whether the DAP exists on another chain now or it already exists or it, it doesn't exist at all, um, reach out to us. There are contact buttons all over that Cyberglass website, and uh, we'd be happy to help in, in more ways than one. So feel free to reach out. Our, our team is very experienced, and uh, we can make it all happen. Lots of exciting stuff. And uh, on the topic of Cyberglass stuff as well, obviously, we've, we've had this huge 50% off sale at EOS Name Service where a bunch of the different suffixes are 50% off to celebrate the launch of Marketplace. And uh, as you've seen, you know, dozens and dozens of name have, names have been listed on Marketplace, but uh, it is the final week of that 50% off sale. So if there was a name that you were looking at, Zach.hodl, whatever it might be, uh, head on over to EOSNameService.io. It is the final week for 50% off, and then all the names go back to their full price. So take advantage of it while you can. And uh, the third thing that I wanted to mention is Halloween, our annual pumpkin carving contest. We talked about it a little bit last week, but if you want to win your share of 350 EOS in prizes, first place 200 EOS, second place 100 EOS, and third place 50 EOS, you can carve your EOS-themed pumpkin. So you can do the EOS logo, you can do our faces, which people did last year, which was pretty <laughs> funny to watch. And uh, tweet that to at CypherglassBP on Twitter with hashtag Halloween, and uh, you'll have a chance to win. I have to admit, I haven't been following the hashtag last week. Have you gotten any submissions yet? Uh, I don't think we've gotten any yet, but I know that there are a couple different people. There's uh, an event coming up somewhere, I believe. I'm blanking on the name of it, but they have a whole section of their event dedicated to carving pumpkins for Halloween, which I thought was just awesome. So yeah, but, uh, I think it'll be 
like last year, where as people carve them closer to Halloween, we'll start to see a flood of submissions again. We got that news from uh, JP, uh, or our guy from, yeah. he's a moderator for everything EOS. He's one of our custodians for the proxy. Uh, it's Block Shop DC. I want to shout them out because they were one of the the teams in Washington DC. They're a nonprofit out there. They're a co-working space out there, and they really helped us with our EE31 May event back uh, during B1 June. So I want to shout them out. That's who's having the uh, Halloween's pumpkin carving day for, for awesome. at, the, at their co-working. That's so space. exciting. I mean, last year we got so many good submissions. Like it, it was sort of all across the board, and and our judges had a hard time picking, but. Uh, this year, Han from Node One, like you mentioned, is one of our judges. I'm a judge. Joe Chiapetta, an artist from Pixios, will be there as well to have that artistic touch. And we have two other judges as well um, that we've signed on that we'll announce in the near future. So it should be a good one this year. Oh, the announcement of the announcement. I like it. Yeah, <laughs> it wouldn't be crypto without that. You you missed one thing, and that's the community conference. That's like in a week or two in Rio. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll be heading to uh, Rio de Janeiro, I believe, next Sunday is when I'm heading down. And uh, I'll be there for the EOS community conference in Rio. I think it's the Rio blockchain conference as well. Um, and I'll be doing some hiking there and it should be an awesome time. I'm really excited. I've never been that far south. The furthest south I've been is Costa Rica. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And if you're there at that EOS community conference in Brazil, come say hi, let's hang out, grab some food. Uh, it should be a good time. I, I, I forgot to mention, I almost ran into Adriana, who's also going to be at the community conference, I believe, with yeah. you, right? She, yeah. So she's like living in, I don't even know where, Thailand or Vietnam right now. Yeah. But it, it, like that's the same as flying to like another state in the US. It's so close. Uh, so she almost came to our uh, Liquid Apps event the other night. Nice. But, but I don't remember what happened. I think hotels or something were, were too much. Cause yeah, that's what she event. mentioned to me. It was just too short notice, I think, for her to make it happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, she will be in Rio, and then she's making a stop in the U.S., I believe, to pick up her dog, and then headed back to, to Thailand to live there, I think, full time. So it's pretty exciting. I, I, I forgot to do one more humble brag, and it goes back to the Ivan. I don't have the sound playing. I don't... I don't have the uh, audio playing, but uh, we had a, a little quick interview. If you saw it on Twitter, uh, I was interviewing Ivan on tech, letting him plug oh, his yeah. uh, everything EOS developer courses because, or not everything EOS, he's not everything EOS. Uh, Ivan just did a new uh, EOS like education tutorial on, on his page, which is academy.ivanontech.com. So yeah. I was let, letting him plug that. We, we had a lot of conversations about this and Peter K is planning to collaborate well, everything EOS and Peter K, we're planning to collaborate with Ivan. We're going to get uh, some of our courses, like an exclusive like module or two, on the Ivan on Tech course. So anyone taking, nice. he has 12,000 students. Uh, in, in wow. take, I don't think that's actively enrolled. I think it's probably 12,000 total. Right. I, don't, I don't know like what, what their daily active users are or anything, but uh, Pete wants to get, give them a module for, for DAP Network. Uh, to, so someone would take the EOS courses from, I think his name's Felipe is his partner that does the courses for Ivan. And then there would be something on DAP network and potentially EOS also, but they'll, they'll tie in together. So that's really big because if you're taking the Ivan on tech developer courses, he only covers a couple blockchains, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, EOS, and potentially DAP network in the future wow. moving forward. So that's super exciting. It is. It's really exciting. I mean, uh, Pete, Pete's just finalizing the courses, like the official part modules for uh, for what we're going to release on all, on our web properties. So it, it might be a little extra work for him if he's got to do some exclusive for Ivan. But I, I think it, it's it's definitely beneficial for the long term. All, all we do here is we try to grow the ecosystem, especially the developer ecosystem, because that's the Absolutely. only way this network's going to mature. 
Uh, also, shout out to Nolio. I don't have it in the notes, but he's still chugging along uh, yeah. with, with his developer journey. It's been so cool. If you're not familiar, Nolio is a uh, person on Twitter, G-N-O-L-I-O, maybe two L's, I'm not sure. Um, but he's been basically live tweeting his developer journey of building a dApp on EOS. I think he uses the dApp network in some way. Um, it's really exciting to watch. So check him out if you haven't already. It's a really long thread. Um, we have a, a pretty exciting piece of news. It's, it's a bit bittersweet, honestly. But Mark Woods, who is... Uh, Somebody who helped us put on the B1 or the uh, EE31 May event, which was that big community event with uh, several hundred people the day before B1 June, um, and also as a member of our proxy, we unfortunately have to bid farewell to Mark Woods due to him accepting a job at Block One managing product. So a huge congratulations to Mark Woods. You'll definitely be missed at everything EOS, um, but congrats, you made it to the uh, to the mothership over at Block yep. One. So but that's awesome. As part of his responsibilities at Block One, he has to kind of disassociate, definitely disassociate himself with any governance-related stuff and his public persona. So yeah. uh, he will not be part of our proxy anymore, which means we have four voting members of our proxy left. We have JP, uh, JP, myself, Rob, and Peter K. So we will be looking for a fifth member of our proxy committee. Uh, so to help us uh, decide on how we're going to vote on upcoming referendums or block producers, especially with uh, the upcoming governance changes that we might see. I've heard EOS New York, I believe, is pretty close to releasing their proposal, uh, potentially yeah. even in the next couple of days or next week. Yeah, uh, that's what it sounds like. I'm looking forward to, to being able to talk about it publicly and yeah. uh, discuss it on the air. It should be awesome. Yeah, I, I, I did get a chance to look at it. You did as well. I, I definitely want to talk about it publicly, but we will let EOS New York be the first to release this. Uh, and it sounds like Block One's proposed was completely separate, though. So we, I wasn't sure whenever last week, whenever Dan made that tweet or whatever two weeks ago about how they like magically came up with their proposal as soon as yeah. EOS New York was getting close. But it uh, does seem like they're going to be different. Um, I'm I'm fine if they merge together for the uh, the the best solution of both worlds. I'm, I'm fine if we choose one or the other, but we just have we have to get it in front of us. We can't analyze it until we have it in front of us. So I'm I'm really really looking forward to this upcoming week because there's going to be a lot of governance discussion coming up. Um, I, I think, uh, or I'm not going to drop too, too much. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, so last thing I want to go back to Mark Woods because he's a Virginia Tech alumni and he's yeah. the one that actually broke the the news of Blocksburg to us. Uh, and Blocksburg is the conference being held out at Virginia Tech, uh, November 10th, 11th, and the 12th. And I just wanna shout out that they've added some new speakers to this list. So the confirmed speakers right now at Blocksburg are Amy Devine, the Chief Policy Officer at the Digital Chamber of Commerce. And the Digital Chamber of Commerce is who hosted the event back in like, I don't know, February, whenever uh, Brendan Bloomer was on stage and talking about programmable money and making the US dollar programmable. Remember that, guys? Remember whenever they, yeah. they first started teasing the DC office? That was the Digital Chamber of Commerce's event. Dan Larimer is obviously a confirmed speaker and has been. Hester Pierce, which makes a lot more sense now that the SEC waiver came out. The, <laughs> the commissioner of the SEC is going to be sharing a stage with Dan Larimer. Lee Schneider, the global general counsel for Block One, who got major, major props and huge mentions in the SEC waiver, which we're going yeah. to get into in the next topic. But then they added one more uh, keynote speaker, and that's Brian Sullivan. He's the anchor of CNBC's Worldwide Exchange, and he's a senior national consultant. 
So I don't know if that means this event's going to get CNBC coverage or if he's just showing up on his own uh, on his own because he is a Virginia Tech alumni himself. But uh, I am super, super excited to see what Hester Pierce has to say on stage because this is going to be probably her, her first public statement on EOS, period. But it's going to be her first public statement on EOS after the SEC waiver. I, I think this has been yeah. a dark cloud hanging over Block One's head for a very long time. Yeah, now why don't we go ahead and dive into that? That's our next topic here. So uh, if you've been living under a rock for the last <laughs> week or two and you didn't see that Block One reached a settlement with the SEC, uh, here's effectively what happened. Um, there, there's a lot of details that we'll dive into, but sort of the, the high level is that Block One agreed to pay $24 million as a fine to the SEC in the United States um, for a couple different reasons. One was uh, not registering their sale of securities, and the other um, was because they, they didn't really restrict people in the U.S. well enough from purchasing those tokens. So it was really interesting, and there's a couple more uh, sort of nuances to it as well. But um, I thought it was interesting. Mike Dudas, uh, I guess, put out a, a rant <laughs> a few months ago. Do you think that was related to this? Yeah, so I think a lot of stuff is related to this. So yeah. before the Mike Dudas, I, I think that this ruling was expected to happen. Like this has been ongoing. It sounds like that Block One initiated this conversation with the SEC immediately following the token sale, which ended on January 1st, 2018. So this has been a long, long journey here of settling with the SEC. So uh, back in February, they were announcing that the new DC office also, I don't think it's a coincidence that one week before the waiver came out from the SEC, that the news of the new Block One Arlington, like DC metro area office news came out. I, I think they wanted to time those two together, which, which, would, which would make sense because they're showing uh, whenever the um, press release came out describing their new Arlington office, I mentioned last week on the podcast how like there are six quotes from different politicians and regulators. Like, so block one basically put that out to show like, Hey guys, look, we've got great relationships with the local politicians, the local regulators. They're all on board. They're all excited for us boosting the economy in Virginia. And then a week later, the, the big waiver comes out. And yeah. the, the note you mentioned with Mike Dudas, it's a deleted tweet. So I couldn't even remember <laughs> what he even said. But do you remember, it was around the time I did the one, I called out uh, Peter McCormick that one week and I said like, pour one out for my homies or whatever. That same week was never, dude has put out this tweet and he was like, it was a, seemed like a drunk tweet, but he was like saying like, block one, like I, I know what's ha I know what's going on and you're going to basically like get railroaded. I don't know what exactly he said, but it wouldn't surprise me if he caught wind that there was this SEC investigation with a thing going on with block one. And be, being Mike Dudas, he just probably assumed that uh, we we're going to get more than uh, what's being described as a slap on the wrist. It's, it's really it, it might seem like a slap on the wrist because of the four billion dollars. But uh, what was it? Twenty four million dollars. They got fined. Four million. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's it can be perceived that way if you don't look into all the details. But Catherine Wu had a, an incredibly good breakdown of uh, two different letters. So one was from Cooley on behalf of Block One, which was one of the legal firms that they uh, sort of entitled oh, to wait, this. Wait. Um, so yeah. I, I meant to ask you this last week, but yeah. I, I didn't get it. Wasn't Cooley our attorneys or general counsel or whatever at ICO Alert? Yeah, yeah, we worked with them. <laughs> they were the ones that, that basically kept us in line, made sure we didn't break any laws. That's basically the reason why other ICO sites have gotten fined, but ICO Alert didn't. 
because we never, you know, uh, accepted tokens as payment. We always put disclaimers when there were promoted ads and things like that. So big shout out to Cooley. They definitely know what they're doing and they've, they've proven it once again here. One, but, uh, one thing I remember about Cooley is that they're yeah. the biggest pain in the ass because they always had us like over, like we, we kind of go over the top with our disclaimer at the beginning of this show. But yeah. that, that's kind of something that Cooley kind of always recommended was you always want to like over like share like what, what you're doing, disclaimers and things like that. And like, absolutely. Um, that, that's what I learned. It, it makes sense that uh, Block One's working with them, because I think as far as blockchain legal is concerned, aren't they basically the best in the world or best in the United they're, States? They're basically the best you can get. I mean, Cooley is a global law firm, but in terms of um, blockchain and as it relates to securities laws and all these things, they have really now an entire division. Um, dedicated to that. So it's been cool to see that they help represent Block One in this matter. And this letter that Zach has pulled up on the screen here um, is a letter from Cooley on behalf of Block One to the SEC, basically proposing the settlement and uh, listing out a bunch of different reasons why they should accept the settlement. And it's it's interesting. I mean, um, we're going to be jumping around to a bunch of different parts of this letter, but I think what's so interesting about this is that it could be perceived as a slap on the wrist, but on the other side, it could also be perceived as good for the SEC as well. Because you have to consider that Block One with $4 billion in a war chest could have fought this in court if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. But I think this was an agreement that both sides realized, okay, you know, at the SEC, they don't have to spend a bunch of resources on, on fighting this. They get the $24 million. On the flip side, Block One gets a waiver. Um, they don't have to register any tokens as securities. They're able to talk with the SEC about future tokens. The, the letter even mentions the voice.com token by name, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, so I, I think ultimately, you know, if you think about it from the SEC's perspective, they probably said, listen, we don't want to spend five years in court battling this out. Let's just accept the settlement and, and kind of move on. I agree. Uh, so let, let's just start on, on page one, I guess. I, I think we could just yeah. like w- walk through. I mean, Catherine Wu definitely get, gave us a lot of shortcuts here. Like her, her notes are epic, like the highlights and then the pen notes. Um, but the first thing I'm going to see here is that th- the reason they sought this waiver is because if they did not get this exemption, they would not be allowed to do any future regulation A or regulation D offerings, security offerings, which is actually um, like the right path they they would want you to take. If you were launching an ICO today, the SEC 100% would want you to do under a Reg A or Reg D and they, they want you to work with them from the start. Or Reg A plus, yeah. Yeah, and we, we can get into those another time. They they have their own little unique features. Um, but the, that's the, 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 the whole cornerstone of this argument was because they basically said there wasn't any regu- there wasn't any regulational clarity in June 2017. The most clarity we saw came in July 2017, which was the Dow report. Yeah. So, so that was the report from the SEC that basically said that the Dow was an unregistered security, and they gave a little bit of guidance. But that was already after the token sale already began. Uh, it was almost a year long for, for the EOSIO token sale. So their argument is basically, well, there wasn't really any clarity, and even after the Dow report came out, it gave us some clarity, but it still wasn't a, a full picture. So they basically said that they followed the best guidelines they could at the time. They geofenced United States IPs. They clearly stated that U.S. citizens couldn't participate. And that's something we learned from this is that that's not necessarily enough. So that's one thing we gained from this um, is that they said that wasn't enough because Block One obviously w- was still told that that wasn't enough. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, that came of this is 
that it was determined that the ERC-20 token is or was a security without this waiver. They made no mention of the current EOS token. And at the very end of this uh, legal letter, it basically says that all like pending actions against block one have been resolved. So I think that EOS now stands on hallowed ground with the SEC that has only been, been uh, present for Bitcoin, Ethereum, and now EOS, and also Psycoin, because we're not really yeah. talking, we're not going to talk about it today, but Psycoin also got a, a resolution with the SEC. So there's only four yeah. tokens in the entire crypto ecosystem that are basically almost guaranteed to not be securities. So yeah. I, I, I think it's that's pretty huge. interesting. I mean, I think that was the, from a market perspective, I think that was the most significant impact of this is that now if you're an institutional investor or an investor in general, when you go through that legal risk, you know, portion, I think EOS got a lot less risky after this announcement um, because of what the SEC ultimately you know, came to a conclusion um, of, at the end of this, like you're talking about. But I want to go to page two here. I think it's interesting to just kind of point out what the actual violations were. And, and Catherine does a great job sort of highlighting this, where it says, the proposed order concludes that Block One offered and sold securities that were required to be registered with the commission pursuant to Section 5 of the Securities Act. So going along that line, the ERC-20 token was a security in the eyes of the SEC, and they didn't register it. But uh, it's clear reading this whole letter, and I read this entire letter, and I read the entire letter of the SEC back to Block One, accepting the settlement, they really did their research. And I think that's to be expected with any of these. They knew you know, how the distribution worked, that those were frozen, that uh, then a, a community-run effort sort of launched the actual EOS token from a snapshot. Um, so it's fascinating to sort of see them put it in their own words and, and be very accurate with it. I, I, it, the, the, I love, they were so smart how they did their crowd sale in retrospect. Like we, oh, we, yeah. we, we always kind of say that, but like we're team EOS, we're obviously going to support our boys. But basically what happened was on June 1st, 2018, the ERC-20 got frozen. So from that point on, Block One was able to negotiate with the SEC and basically say, yeah, sorry, this might have been a security, <laughs> but we took proactive action. These tokens are now locked. They're never moving again. So even if these were securities, they're no longer tradable, transferable. Yeah. You can't sell them. You can't buy them. So we just washed our hands of this potential security token. Absolutely. So every everything beyond the ERC-20 token is absolved of the the potential of the ERC-20 token being a security. So I thought that was an amazing move by Block One. And I think it's something that we, do you think we'll, we'll, we'll see anyone following this playbook in the future? Uh, I think it's possible, but I think there are alterations you would have to make to that crowd sale. Now, knowing this SEC letter is out there and what they said was still wrong about it, I think um, you obviously have to do full KYC if you're going to do an ICO like this, or at least to figure out a better way to block um, U.S. residents from participating. But it, one thing I wanted to point out is that in the past, we have been rather critical of Block One and saying essentially that they should just launch voice and ask for you know permission or ask for forgiveness later rather than asking for permission up nope, front. Nope, nope. But what I don't think we realized at the time is that that's what the ICO was. The, the ability for Block One to gather this $4 billion war chest was them waiting and asking for forgiveness later rather than asking for permission. So huge shout out to Block One for doing that. And now it makes sense why they're being so cautious about the voice.com token and actually talking with the SEC about it. But I want to point out something on page three of this letter as well. Um, a lot of people were still, you know, shockingly 
upset about this ruling saying that EOS should have paid a bigger fine, which really goes against the libertarian nature of crypto and, and everything that these people stand for. So I, I thought it was a bit hypocritical. I've never but, seen that in my life. Yeah. People in the crypto industry who want to move blockchain technology forward, get regulational clarity, we're shitting on EOS or shitting on yeah. block one. And and they're actually cheering for the SEC. I've never seen anyone in blockchain oh, cheering for the SEC. Yeah, like, and the part of, of page three here, it, it actually clarifies that no part of this sale was fraudulent in any way. It says the proposed order describes activities that involve the offer and sale of a security, but do not involve a criminal conviction or a violation of any anti-fraud statutes, scienter or non-scienter based. Thus, Block One will not be held to a greater burden under the division's waiver policy. So right there, they're clearing them of any charges of fraud, any any actual criminal conviction, saying that, you know, effectively they just failed to register with the SEC. They failed to, to geo-block people effectively. That was all they did. There was no fraud committed. So to all the people on Twitter saying that EOS is a scam, Block One are fraudsters, clearly the SEC does not agree with that viewpoint. And I think that's a great thing. That, that's true and i can't wait like i said i'll say it again i can't wait to hear what hester pierce has to say about block one at blocksburg <laughs> on Absolutely. november 11th in uh blacksburg virginia i just had a brain fart definitely well and on on page five something i want to point out as well without pointing out a specific portion of page five uh, it basically goes through and talks about all of the different personnel that Block One have hired to stay in compliance. It says they have 16 staff in their legal and compliance team. That was as of September 2019. In their finance and risk team, they have another 16 people that are just working in that division entirely. So um, they talk about their cybersecurity and data protection sort of team within the, the unit. And we know they hired a uh, chief security officer recently, I believe. Um, so Block One is really growing up into this legitimate company. They have a team for legal and compliance. They have a team for finance and risk. I mean, clearly the SEC saw that. They saw that they're not just trying to run away and hide in Bermuda. They're actually moving to the U.S. They're talking with the SEC. And, and part of them being so willing to comply is part of the reason why I think the fine was so lenient um, in this letter. They specifically call out, I, I'm reading a quote, the chief legal officer and general counsel are primarily responsible for ensuring compliance with security laws. And it says, you kind of quoted it, Block One added a chief legal officer with over 20 years of experience in international and corporate law and a general counsel, that's Lee Schneider, he's the general yeah. counsel, with deep expertise in the US financial regulations, including securities laws, particularly their application to cryptos and blockchain-based assets. So that, my friends, is this guy right here, got him back up on the screen, <laughs> Lee Schneider. Uh, he also has his own podcast. I think Phoenix mentioned it in the chat a little yeah. bit ago, but I, I can't remember what it's called. Appetite for Disruption, I think it's called, uh, where, so. where he actually uh, co-hosts the show with a former SEC commissioner. So I don't know if it was the one before Hester Pierce or the one before that, but he co-hosts the show with a former SEC commissioner, and they talk about like this exact stuff, regulations yeah. and, and crypto. Something to point out is that Hester Pierce is not the only commissioner of the SEC. There are actually multiple that serve at the same time. So it's not like she's the only one there. She's one of many to sort of have, you know, varying viewpoints, which I think is a great thing. And obviously she's the one that is the most pro blockchain. You just um, taught you just taught me something, Rob. I had, I, had, I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Learn something new every day. And on page six, I really want to point out where specifically this this letter from Cooley on behalf of Block One to the SEC mentions voice and the voice.com token. It says, Block One announced the launch of Voice, a social media platform to be developed and launched using Block One's EOSIO blockchain software. The new platform currently contemplates utilizing a cryptographic token 
that will serve as a digital currency within the blockchain-based application. And it goes on to say, Block One has engaged and will continue to engage experienced U.S. Securities Council to work with its internal legal and compliance team to consider and apply such guidance in structuring the voice platform, designing and distributing the voice token, and managing public statements by Block One. Basically saying, hey, we issued this ERC-20 token. It's frozen. Our bad. Here's your 24 million. Going forward with any tokens we launch, namely the voice.com token, they're going to talk with the SEC and make sure that they're cleared to go before they launch it, which is definitely the right move in this case. Yeah, it, the exact quote you read, I, I think if you look at what's on your screen right now with the red underlines, and it basically says that moving forward, they're, they're holding hands with the SEC now. They're, they're friends now, everything's behind them. And moving forward, they're going to work together to give regulation clarity. That, that's why I didn't understand why the entire crypto industry shit on this, because this is the regulation clar regulational clarity in the United States that everyone has wanted. Absolutely. Like, we, we thought we were going to have to wait for Libra and Facebook to go to battle yeah. with the U.S. government. But instead, the Block One is going to help us with this. And it, oh, it goes so far beyond EOS and EOS IO. This is the entire industry that's going to benefit from this. And moving forward, like there's going to be clarity as Block One moves forward. We know that they're advising with the SEC on everything that they do. So we have to assume that everything that they do moving forward is along the right path in the way that it should be done. So we might not like it because it's slow, but we don't like our current government and the way it works because it's slow. But we have to deal with that, and that that's just the way it is. And does this move Absolutely. your does this move your timeline for voice at all? We've been talking. I don't I don't want to predict it for 2019 because I don't want to be proven wrong. I'm still thinking early 2020, but has it changed for you? You know, I don't think so. I thought Bloomer's tweet was interesting that said they would have a significant update for voice.com soon, which to me says beta. Like, what else are you going to announce other than the, the release date for the beta? Um, and, and obviously, without being privy to any of the conversations they're having with the SEC, it's, it's hard to say. But I would assume that they could launch the beta without the token or with sort of a placeholder token that has no value that you can't transfer out to another account and at least get people using the platform, collect user feedback to alter the platform and then eventually get that regulatory clarity and launch the actual platform. So that is my hope that we see that beta soon. And who knows, they could be ready with it. The, the 1.8 features still have not been activated by the 15 out of the top 21 block producers. Um, as soon as that's done, I expect it will be this week. They're back from the, the vacation that, that was had in China. Um, but uh, maybe we'll get an announcement from Block One after that when it's possible for them to deploy. Uh, Phoenix, I'm gonna pull up the chat on the screen. Phoenix, you just made a really good point here. I'm gonna talk about this. All right, so Phoenix just said he predicts beta early 2020, and he said lock the token as we talked about before. Imagine if Block One does the same thing that they did for their crowd sale. They launch their token, they freeze their token for like the beta or whatever, and then the community launches a token. Interesting. I would think that, it, I think that's possible. My What I think would be more likely is that they prevent the token, they make the token non-transferable for US residents. So you KYC, you get into voice, you go through that whole process. If you're in the US and they don't have that clarity yet, they can make the token non-transferable so that you can't sell it on an exchange and get the value out of it. Um, sort of like the, the Lumios token that somebody pointed out in the chat. So it'll be interesting to see. But the, the last thing I wanted to point out about this letter from Cooley to the SEC is on page eight. And without mentioning any, any specific quote here, I thought it was really interesting that Block One basically, in order to get that waiver so that they could still participate in Reg A and Reg D offerings in the future, they mentioned that billion dollar DAP fund with USBC, saying that it would be incredibly difficult for them to deploy that capital as promised. If they were barred from this, it would negatively affect them and their staff and their investors. And, and basically, 
you know, pleading to the SEC, please don't don't ban us from this. We will um, benefit your country, the United States and its citizens by by giving us this waiver and allowing us to, to move forward. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, they clearly have good lawyers, as Catherine Wu pointed <laughs> out here in this this annotated letter. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's great news overall. And like you said, gives regulatory clarity to EOS as one of four tokens now in the world that have any kind of regulatory clarity. Um, I guess I'll ping the community here. I, I think the best way for us to get insight on Block One's next moves, as as it in regards to voice. So I know I, I've learned the websites to like follow patents and trademarks and things like that. I, I've broken news on this channel before because of that. But I don't know the proper databases to search for Reg A and Reg D filings. Ooh. But I think following whatever database the U.S. government uses, like their public database that shows regulation A and regulation D filings, I think we should start t keeping an eye on that. I have not had a chance to dive into it yet, but if anyone wants to let us know in the live chat or in the comments or in the Everything EOS Telegram channel, let us know where we could start searching. I will set a crawler up. I will set a bot up to regularly monitor this and I will get an alert as soon as anything using specific keywords is mentioned in this database. And I'll be the first to break the news to the EOS community. But I, I think uh, we're not going to see voice I mean, we might see voice beta, I don't know, but we're definitely not going to see voice until this reg A or reg D uh, is filed. Absolutely, and uh, I think that's enough to talk about the SEC. I think we've gone through it, but there's one other topic that I've seen a lot of people mention in the chat that I definitely want to talk about, which is the current network congestion on EOS. Have you, you seen this all happening, Zach? Yeah, I, I haven't really been using EOS much, but uh, apparently, um, what's this guy's name? I'll pull him up. Um, we have a uh, white ran. a white hat, I don't know if you'd even call him a hacker. He's not really hacking anything, but this guy Dexaran has been stress testing the EOS mainnet purposefully and, and giving notice, which, which I guess is the nicest way, way to do things like this. Yeah. But um, he, he's been stress testing uh, the mainnet using purchases from the Rex. And what it's been doing is it's actually been putting the entire network into congestion mode. Um, Absolutely. And uh, congestion mode is that variable that block producers were playing around with and increased um, way back at the beginning of the mainnet, when we were having similar congestion issues before Rex was even a thing, where essentially, um, if you own one percent of the tokens, you own one percent of the bandwidth on the network. But if all if everybody's not trying to send a transaction at the same time, it sort of lets you surge above that one percent allocation and use a, a, what is effectively free resources or free bandwidth. But when the network has enough congestion, enough transactions, it sort of goes into congestion mode and says, "Hey." All the, that free bandwidth, that free lunch that we were giving you, we're taking that back. Now you have to stake exactly the amount of EOS you want or buy it from Rex in order to get those transactions through. So it's been interesting. And I think the most shocking part of this whole thing to me was that he did it all using just two EOS. Two EOS purchased through Rex, he was able to put the network into congestion mode and have these effects. And Dan has responded, which I want to get into. It's been crazy to watch. Yeah, uh, it, it should be a little bit harder. I. I I don't have that. I only have this graphic. I'm going to pop up of, of Dan's quote where he said, Dan said, the EOS network has ample capacity and is not quote unquote congested in the sense that Bitcoin and Ethereum are. The blocks have plenty of spare capacity for those who have the right to use it. Didn't you make a response to this tweet? I think uh, this was a previous one where he said it was working as intended several weeks ago. And I was like, okay. it's kind of a, a bad response because there are people that are actually locked out. But I think what's most interesting about this is that, that now there's a proposal floating around to actually remove those free resources entirely so that effectively the network would always be in congestion mode 
but it would be much more predictable for developers and for users to know how much EOS they need to have staked or how much EOS they need to purchase from Rex um, or lease from Rex rather in order to, to you know send their transactions. And I think that premise alone might be part of the reason why this little DAP um, or rather checks bull market has started on, on new decks and, and all these different uh, EOS tokens, because mm -hmm. obviously being a resource market, um, they're going to likely benefit from that. So it's been fascinating. And I think it's good because sort of on the topic of governance as well, it's good to know that Dan and Brendan are open to fundamental system changes. Removing that free component of resources is a fundamental system change. And I'm glad that they're open to that in the same way that it seems they're open to fundamental system changes on the governance level through incentives and, and other, other pieces of that whole system. So I, I think we should backtrack to what the, they're proposing to remove. So the, the free lunch, as we describe it, is right. basically because the network is not being pushed to 100% of its capacity, there is a lot of free capacity. So Rex aside, if I'm just staking regular EOS tokens to my account and transacting as I typically would, one EOS is giving me roughly a thousand EOS worth of computation. And it's not because I own a thousand EOS worth of computation. It's because there's at least a one to 1000 ratio of EOS tokens not using any bandwidth at all. So it would be like uh, if you're on like welfare, like you're living your life, you're raising your family, you don't make a lot of money and you're on welfare. And then you, you, you build up this like standard of living based on uh, being subsidized of your income. But then what, the, what uh, this is a terrible example, I think, but I'll go with it anyway. <laughs> but it would be like the government pulling your welfare out from under you and saying, this is what you really are. Live off this now. So it, it, in that sense, it sounds really bad. But over the long term, it's going to potentially just be tough love. If we're talking about a family on welfare, I'm sorry, but it's tough love. They're going to have to learn how to like make more money or allocate their resources better. But with with let's get back to EOS because I don't want to be talking about welfare here. Uh, with this, it's going to make dApps and users have to get used to like using the capacity that they actually own, not the capacity that's being subsidized to them from the network. So then whenever we go into congestion mode, it's not going to be such a shock. And yeah. I, I, I think what block one is proposing is to ease into it. I don't think they, they said to just immediately turn off uh, the, um, what do we even call the resource allocation? The, the uh, What do we call it? Uh, a free bandwidth, surplus? I guess. Yeah, surplus bandwidth. You're basically surging over your, your guaranteed allocation. So what, what what they want to do is they want to they want to remove that they they want be what does it say here uh, it says block one is working on a new feature well let me pull it up on the screen this is like the least prep time I've had I want to yeah pull it up. no it's okay uh, I think what's interesting about this this whole change is that uh, it really falls in line with the one point eight upgrades that should hopefully be activated finally this week for with, with those uh, fifty nine twenty one multi sigs. But basically, putting the burden of CPU on the DApps, which is where it should be, it shouldn't be on the users at all. We need to abstract that away, and I think this change would help further that so that every DApp just sort of rents a big old pile of CPU from Rex and allocates that to their users accordingly. Yeah, that's exactly what's going to happen. This is a, only a good thing for Rex. It's going to oh. increase Rex dividends for for token stakers. And it, it's going to increase that usage. Uh, but in the meantime, because I don't think that this change is going to happen immediately, th there's a few recommendations I, I wanted to make to the community uh, because I don't know if this congestion mode is going to end anytime soon. I think he's going to continue. Uh, I keep forgetting his name. Uh, da Dexaran. Who, who is Dexaran anyway? Does anyone know? 
Do you I don't know. know. I think he's an anonymous person. Yeah. So I don't know if he's going to stop this. I hope he doesn't stop this because it's 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 going to force everyone's hand at, at at coming up with a solution. But in the meantime, if if you want to use EOS and you don't want to get stuck and congested, most of us, myself included, are almost I'm like ninety five percent staked to Rex. So if you're staked to Rex, that means you're not staking your own CPU to yourself. So you might want to um, stake more of your CPU and then less to Rex. So then you're actually actu you're actually getting more of your bandwidth instead of renting it out. Yeah. The alternative is keep almost all of your stack in Rex, like you've probably been, but buy a little bit of Rex, like rent a little bit of Rex. If you spend like half an EOS worth to rent uh, resources from the Rex for the next thirty days, you're gonna have more bandwidth than you could ever use before. Uh, and then the other thing is to subscribe to Shintai's. We've talked about checks and Shintai a couple times during this show, but subscribe to their automated resource management yeah. manager. It, it's a tiny fee. And then anytime we hit congestion mode, they automatically take care of you. You'll never run out of bandwidth. They will delegate resources to you. Um, do you have any other recommendations for people until uh, this gets resolved? No, I think that was uh, that pretty much covered it. Chintai, the, the ARM system, the automated research management, is really cool to see. Um, Chris from Effect AI gave us a, a five-pound tip said, how's it going? Shout out to Chris from uh, Effect AI. But one thing I did want to mention as well that I think we missed in the disclaimer is that uh, as a point of disclosure, it's safe to assume that we own any and all tokens that we discuss on the show. I, I, I will disclaim that I do not own all of them, but I will not say which ones. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, sh you should just assume we do. Uh, yeah. any, anytime you watch someone on the internet, just assume that they do, um, that that's your, and do your own research. You can't say that enough. Um, I think that's about it. I, I will let everyone know. I, I will be doing another video. I'll start on it tomorrow, but it probably won't be done till Tuesday. It's going to recap, uh, more of the event from last week nice. in Korea. Uh, we'll also be putting out the official like liquid apps videos, uh, from the speeches. I know, um, Someone recorded the whole thing on their cell phone and uploaded a live stream of that. So I know that's available it is oh, wow. within the Korean community, but I, I think we shared it in the Liquid Apps channel, but we'll have a little like higher quality version we're gonna be putting out this week. So look out for that. Um, and then the video I'm gonna do that, I'm gonna dive into a couple of different things that I just couldn't put my thoughts together for, for a live stream. So it's not gonna be a live one, but I uh, look forward to that. Anything from Cypherglass this week, Rob? Um, no, other than our new website, check it out, cypherglass.com. And it is the last week for 50% off so many names at usnameservice.io. So take advantage of that sale before it's gone. Next time you see us, that sale will be over. I, I think that's it. I think this is where we say you got to like the video. You got to subscribe to the video. You got to comment on the video if it's not live or leave us a message in the live chat because we're live right now. Um, Absolutely. I, I think this is where I say until next week, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And, and this, this is everything, is everything EOS. EOS. Go, go EOS. EOS. Leave a go EOS in the chat. We'll see you next time.